Ticats Audio Network. This is the CFL This Week with Bubba O'Neill. 14 weeks are behind us with seven to go in the CFL's regular season, but has the Grey Cup already been claimed, honestly? Life without work has become very rocky for the BC Lions, and is there a connection between the commissioner of the league and the words cancel culture? This is the CFL This Week on the Cats Audio Network. I'm your tour guide, Bubba O'Neill. Well, should we dub this week's edition of the CFL this week as the sound of the CFL? I'll tell you why, folks, because look at these three individuals that we have here. They are all the play-by-play voices of particular teams in the league. Let's start off from west to east and well, from the, he's the voice of the BC Lions from AM730. Why don't you say hi to Bob, the Moj Marjanovic. Morning, Bubba. Good to hear from you, folks. It's been a certainly a wild certain week. And, of course, now we look at the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and what a year it has been out in Regina for Michael Ball. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Bubba. I appreciate it. And, well, Ticat fans, what can we say about what's going on in the Steel Town City? And he's having a great sophomore season. Let's welcome R.J. Broadhead. Thank you, Bubba. Big six games ahead coming off a of bye week, so it should be a fun finish. We'll see. Can we say the words must win? <laughs> I've been saying it for weeks, months. Hey, all I know is I'm just looking at RJ's hair, and I know I know why myself and Ballsy are in, but always been in radio. Right? So. Got a Peyton Manning five head. Show an IMAX movie on my forehead. Yeah. All right, guys, let's talk with something that's been really discussed all around the league, and for the last week or so. Last week, the Rough Riders released Garrett Marino, the much talked about, controversial defensive end. On the same day, CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi reportedly sends out a, mo- a memo re- kind of reminding teams that he could refuse to register any player contract for any reason deemed valid. Now, obviously, if we're going to link the two between Marino and the memo, I'll start with you, Ballsy. You're closest to the situation. Did the, cro- the commissioner cross a line of any sort? I don't want to be canceled, I, too, you know, so I don't know what <laughs> or usually I say what I want. Um, the riders say that he, uh, that the league didn't uh, force them into the move, but they're not going to tell you that. Every player I've talked to, both on the record and off the record, said Garrett Marino is a good dude. We are not a better football team because he's gone. So you, you decide if he was forced out the door. I will say this. Can we all be friends after this? Are we all going to be friends after this? Okay. I'm going to say something that is obviously not going to go over well in Hamilton. There's a guy playing for the Tiger Cats that wears number 21. And you could say, because I brought this up with Farhan Lalji. He said, well, you can't compare. That's three years ago. Yes, you can. Because it's the exact, the, 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 the hit that broke the camel's back, so to speak, was the hit on Zach Kalaros, which was a football play. It wasn't a dirty play. He didn't hit him high and he didn't hit him low. Simone Lawrence knocked Zach Kalaros and turned his head into a bowl of soup against the Riders back in 2019 and was nobody was canceling him. Nobody was saying I can revoke any contract with him. So, yes, there is a little bit of chicanery and skullduggery. I'm not happy about it. A lot of riders aren't happy about it. The team's looking to move on, though. They didn't move on very well against Winnipeg. They could have used Garrett Marino, believe me, in the uh, Labor Day rematch. 
RJ, do you choose to defend number 21? Well, first of all, uh, Michael should be in politics because a great deflection on the answer. Uh, there's a big difference between Simone Lawrence's play and Garrett Marino's play. One guy's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. The other guy is probably never going to play another game in the league. Uh, what did Marino have this year? Eight games, nine tackles and a sack. That's a game for Jovan Santos Knox. So there has to be some respect. You get suspended, you come back, you get fined, you have a bye week, you do a questionable hit. It's He's just not a good enough player to, to accept that and allow that to keep happening. And maybe the riders are saying that, Michael, that they're not a better team without him. But uh, I think around the league, there's a lot of other players who are not fans of of Garrett Marino, Jeremiah Masoli, one of the most liked guys, excellent quarterback. Who knows where Ottawa would have been if if he didn't get injured with with that tackle? So I don't know. There's risk reward. If you're a superstar and you're getting fined and suspended and giving cheap shots, but you're contributing to victories and helping the team win, maybe you can overlook some okay. of that. But I, I don't really see Garrett Marino has contributed to a ton of victories for the Riders. But, but, and I'll let Modes jump in here. I'm sorry for uh, dominating this, but I am close to it. C yeah. Come on. Just because you're a superstar, with all due respect, RJ, doesn't mean you can take a guy's head out and then you'll say, well, he learned his lesson. No, he didn't because he went after Cody in week one. Same type of deal. So, no, I don't, I'm not buying that at all. Uh, you can't have, listen, one is a superstar and one isn't. I'll agree with you, but you can't have pick and choose justice based on how good you think a guy is. That is a load of crap, in my opinion. Uh, well, Bob, Moj, what, what was the letter about? Like, I, I don't, I'm still kind of trying to clarify what that was all about. You know, it, it was kind of disappointing, to be honest. And the reason why is, well, I'll give you a perfect example. You guys got significant others, right? You got wives, girlfriends, whatever, mistresses in some cases. Um, <laughs> but you know when you kind of state the obvious to them and they, they look at you and they just give you basically like, you know, or you get reamed out because it's so obvious that they feel insulted. I think, you know, with the CFL, that's the, the way I kind of look at it. I think I think the GMs in this league are smart enough to realize whether or not Garrett Marino is going to be an asset to their football team or whether he's going to be a negative to their football team. I don't think they need a memo from Randy Ambrosi telling him that this guy's offside. I mean, they, they know that. I think we can all agree maybe there's only one coach in the league that would probably sign Garrett Marino, and he resides in Edmonton. But in terms of the memo, I wasn't a fan of it. I really wasn't. I think GMs and coaches in this league should be smart enough to figure it out. And I kind of agree with RJ in the sense that, you know, it, it, it's all about pros and cons. We see it all the time in any sport. Teams will put up with someone who is just like, you know, all a headache. But if he can contribute to them winning, they'll keep him around. I think the best quote I heard was one time we talked to, to Jimmy Johnson when we were down at Radio Row. And he said, I treat my, my team as a business. He said, if you're my number one sales guy and you come in 15 minutes late, I don't really care. But if you're my number 10 sales guy and you're showing up 15 minutes later or 30 minutes late, you're like 10 out of 10 and you're the guy showing up late because I'm getting rid of you, right? And that's the bottom line. The bottom line is, are you a positive or are you a negative? And for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they put up with Simone Lawrence because he's a huge positive or, or the pros outweigh the cons. And I think in Saskatchewan, the cons probably started to outweigh the pros. Ballsy is, is answer this first. Is Garrett Marino a good player? Yes, he's a good player. He's, he's a, a good player. 
He's a, he's not Simone Lawrence. I agree with RJ Broadhead for sure. By the way, RJ, I like you. I didn't say you're a load of crap. I just don't, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like pick and choose justice. That's what I don't like. Yes. He's a good player, Bubba. Of course he's a good player. He's a disturber. The riders notice. Don't kid yourself. Now they were sick. And I say, throw this last game out the window. Rider fans, the riders notice Garrett Marino, not being in the middle of that defense. They were pushing the riders around big time in that game on Saturday. What to you, Ballsy, what did that letter mean? What that letter meant to me was I can tell you who can play and who can't play, in my opinion. It's like you can't have pick and choose justice. And that's where I get mad. Just because a guy's an all star, he can't fly around and knock guys' heads off uh, like he's been uh, doing time and time again. And, and because a guy has eight tackles and one quarterback sack and has had a history of hitting guys and taking penalties. I'm not defending what he did to Masoli at all, but you can't have pick and choose justice. Like, Mo, like, Mo said, like Mode said, let them decide who can play and can't play within reason. I think the one thing that really hurts Garrett Marino was what he did after the Masoli sure. sack. I think that really, really put him in a bad light. You can talk about, you know, how great of a guy is and the players like him, this and that. But when you see that type of behavior after a player is injured on the field and, you know, he's saying that he didn't see it, I'm not buying it. Um, but to me, that is something that really, really hurt Garrett Moreno. And I don't think his apology came across that well either. And, you know, he might have been honest. He might have been truthful, but it just didn't come across well. And I think I should chime in on Michael's pick and choose justice. Uh, Garrett Moreno continually offended even after he was suspended. When was the last time Simone Lawrence was suspended? You, you, you bring up Simone. He, he doesn't get suspended all the time. He doesn't get fined all the time. This is a player in, in Moreno who was getting suspended and fined. And I think the letter is basically saying we don't want that kind of player in our league. There You can get a guy who has nine tackles and one sack off your practice roster. You, you don't need to sign a guy who's trying to actually injure other players. But there is a RJ, code in the league too. RJ, you spent a long time covering the National Hockey League and we see guys in that league um, blow it, we'll say, but continually get opportunities. I mean, I'll just defend Garrett Marino here. Is it not his, he's a free agent. Is it not his option to be able to sign with another team without the sort of overcoming of the commissioner? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he's kind of made his own bet, right? It's, it's like Mo said, it's up to other general managers and the commissioners maybe done a, a bit of a reminder. And I think that was more so years ago, Bubba, where some of the, NHL players would go after knees or do cheap shots. They've taken a lot of that out of the game. So it's tough to really do a comparison to what we're, we're seeing here with, uh, with Garrett Moreno. I'd, I'd be fascinated and watch the Tiger Cats wind up signing him. And I'll, <laughs> I'll be best friends with them. I'll be saying what a great signing. <laughs> Bob, final thought to you. Well, uh, I think it's unfortunate because you, you want to give somebody the opportunity to learn from their mistakes. And uh, I guess kind of the, the sad part about it was when he did come back, I mean, you saw that that shot on Whitehead that just missed. You saw the shot with Caleros. I mean, the penalty against Godber when he hit him uh, when the ball was, wasn't snapped during that illegal procedure. So that's the concern because he, he's a good football player. I mean, he can probably help. A, he, I know he could help a team, but um, that's the thing. I mean, you... It, 
it's such a fine line between playing with all that aggression and that edge and then not crossing it. And maybe he's still in the phase of his career where he's trying to learn that. All right, guys, let's move on. Hey, those, uh, you talked about the Rough Riders. I mean, apparently there was some illness, players puking. Uh, not a good situation in the locker room, but the Rough Riders were pretty much dismantled by the Bombers after a real close contest on Labor Day, so not much of a banjo bull. But uh, I, I'll turn it to in terms of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Michael. Um, are we on the verge of kind of a boring end of the season here? Like, has the Grey Cup already been etched uh, to the Bombers and Zach Caleros? Take that Labor Day rematch and throw it out the window. I was there. There are 25 guys, 15 players, and about 10 front office staff. Craig Dickinson ran out of the washroom 12 times in the middle of the night. Here's a story for you. Here's the CFL story for you. Craig Reynolds ignored Craig Dickinson's call. Uh, he missed it, and he's like, oh, I'll make my omelets or whatever. This is Saturday morning. Finally answers the phone, said, hey, you got to get us some guys here. They picked up Diego Alatora Montoya from the dorm along with Blaze Brown. Gave Blaze Brown two Egg McMuffin sandwiches. Craig Reynolds drove 140, the team president drove 140 kilometers an hour to Winnipeg. They arrived at 4.09, nine minutes after kickoff. Dude ate two McMuffin sandwiches. We should get a sponsorship on this show. Walked <laughs> onto the field and played. Didn't stretch, played, played. These guys were sick, throwing up on the plane on the way home. So I'd take that game and throw it out the window. Long about way to get to your answer. This season is long from over. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers are a very good football team, but they're also a very beatable football team. Uh, the Rough Riders gave them that Labor Day game. They didn't lose it. They gave it away. And the Riders, you know the funny thing? The Riders cut Garrett Marino. He didn't cost them that game. You know who cost them that game? Jason Moss with a couple of play calls at the end and Duke Williams in plain clothes on the sidelines. He cost them the game, not Garrett Marino. Uh, so, no, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are very beatable. Uh Moj, you've seen that team a couple of times and uh, had some real close contests, especially when Rourke was playing. Is it a fait complete? No, it's a beatable team. And I say that because you look at all the games, guys, that they've won this year that could have gone either way. I don't know how many wins they have, uh, one score or less. I, I didn't dig that up. but ask, the, ask Calgary. Yeah, I want to say it's probably, what, guys, four or five games maybe that they've won by a touchdown or less. So, no, this team is beatable. It just seems like whenever they need to find a way to win they do or they just capitalize on another team making a mistake so i just find it extremely difficult for a team to win three championships in a row i just think that sooner or later that bounce or that break in a tight football game is not going to go their way and whether it's the western final whether it's the gray cup i mean look at last year hamilton they got it down on the goal line put the ball in the end zone hello game over no winnipeg somehow some way squeaks out of there gets in overtime and winds up winning another great cup so yeah it's just like i said they, they just somehow some way find a way to win but sooner or later you, you just can't go like six and oh or six and one in games that are decided by seven points or less rj the bombers are checking into steel town this saturday uh, how are you feeling about this contest well, it's into a must-win category for the Tiger Cats and maybe a, a bonus for the Tiger Cats. We'll see, but the Bombers are in a pretty good spot. They've clinched a playoff spot, so maybe their fire won't be as as burn as hot as the Tiger Cats. We'll have to 
see what happens on Saturday. But I, I agree with with Moj. There's been so many games for Winnipeg. You watch them and think, okay, this this isn't going to go well. Even the first two games against Ottawa, Ottawa had had better numbers, but didn't win those games. And it works both ways. The good teams find a way to win, and the teams that struggle sometimes find a way to lose. So the Bombers have won a ton of close games, and it's great. Take your first place, take your bye, go for your third straight championship. But I think we've got one of the most exciting finishes in the CFL in a long time. BC Calgary, what a battle for second place in home field. And, and Ballsy, the Riders still have a shot there. The crossover is likely, but you, you never know. And is fourth place the best spot to be in for the West Division? Go over to the East. It's not supposed to be as good, but the playoffs in the East are exciting too. Toronto should be fine. Montreal looks good. They're not so good. Hamilton has six games to salvage their season. Ottawa seems to be coming on a little bit. So, yes, Winnipeg is way ahead in the standings, but probably on the field, not significantly better than a whole lot of teams. So I think when the playoffs roll around, it's it's going to be exciting. All right, guys, any given Sunday, we all know the saying when it comes to not necessarily the National Football League, it could be any brand of football, that any team could be any day on any team on any day. I'll ask you, I'll go around the horn here quickly on this as we close up this topic. Michael, who is the closest right now? Who's the top contender? And I would believe it's coming from the West to knock off the Bombers. Calgary. Calgary's down, Peters. And I, with all due respect to BC, I, I had... Four weeks ago, I had the Riders and the BC Lions in the Grey Cup. Riders winning the crossover. I'm still sticking with the Rough Riders. I know I sound like a homer, but the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are getting healthy on offense. Their offensive line, believe it or not, was not too bad against Winnipeg. Everything else went to you-know-what. I got uh, Calgary knocking off Winnipeg, and if I'm BC or Saskatchewan, I want to finish fourth and go east. That's my opinion. Moj? I'd say Calgary and I got to pat myself on the back a little bit because <laughs> Julio and I were doing a game this year and we did an out of town scoreboard during the course of the broadcast. And I just blurted out, I said, that will be Jake Mayer's team by the end of the year. It was Jake Mayer's team within probably like three, four weeks after that. I, I mean, Bo Levi Mitchell, I'm sorry, compared to Jake Mayer, I think that's probably the best thing that happened in the Calgary Stampeders is getting Jake Mayer being the regular quarterback. Now, how's he going to handle the pressure of the playoffs or a great cup? I don't know, but for me, it starts with the quarterbacking position. And right now, the BC Lions, as good as they are at every position except quarterback, I mean, it's hindering them. You saw what happened in Montreal. I mean, they they were completely misfiring. You know, now you're asking your defense to play lights out. The other thing with the Lions, too, is their special teams issues were kind of masked by Nathan Work and what he could do. Um, but now that's that's coming to the forefront, and it's it's really hurting this team. So... You know, when I look at the teams around the league, to me, it's the Calgary Stampeders and probably the biggest reason why is what they have a quarterback in Jake Mayer. RJ Audis, could, it, could, to, could Toronto beat Winnipeg? They actually had a real tight contest earlier this year. They did. They did. And I just have to say, if the Riders guy goes with Calgary and the Lions guy goes with Calgary in the West, I would go Calgary too. Those games against Winnipeg were great. Playoff atmosphere. But in the East... Toronto kind of fits into the Winnipeg category a little bit. They find a way to win. A lot of times, statistically, you look at it afterwards and how are they even in this game? But they pull out those victories. They just need to find a way to do it in the playoffs. I think Toronto is is the team in the East right now that would have the best chance to, to beat Winnipeg. 
Let's go right with you on this, uh, Moj, because, again, you were right there calling the game. You know, brief appearance in the first quarter by newly acquired quarterback Vernon Adams Jr., Antonio Pipkin, just a seemingly inefficient. The Lions fall 31-10 to the Alouettes. Um, it was strange, though, because VA came into the game and then was taken out, replaced by Pipkin again, and we never saw VA again. I would like to presume that this could be his, his team. Why did Rick Campbell pull him? and not put him back in what was that about uh, well first off he's limited in terms of what he knows with the offense so the, the package is limited with vernon adams but i think that there's an old expression that i once heard and not all experience is good experience right and i think had they allowed adams to go in there and try to execute an offense that he was still not comfortable with that it probably would have gave him a, a negative experience or, you know, probably may have affected his confidence. I, I just think they want to get him up to speed in terms of what they're doing offensively before they give the, give him a legitimate shot at quarterback. I, I mean, you know, Rick Campbell said after the game that, the, I mean, he told us before the game, it was in flux. They didn't know how the quarterbacking situation was going to play out as more of a situation of feel. And they felt that they started getting something out of Pipkin in the second half and they did to an extent, but you know, turnovers and missed opportunities really hurt them to, to get them back in the football game. But, you know, getting back to VA, I just think they didn't play him because of the fact they didn't want him to go in there and kind of be lost in a sense. If he knew the offense, yeah, you go, you put him in there and get him those reps. But the fact that he's not comfortable with the offense, I just think they didn't think it was a valuable enough experience to get him in there and get him more reps. RJ, were you surprised? First of all, Moj, what was it, a little over a week that Vernon Adams had been with the Lions? Yeah, he came in during the bye week. So, yeah, he came in that weekend, I want to say Friday or Saturday. So it's yeah. been about a week or so, yes. So to answer your question, Bob, I, I wasn't surprised. He's Sometimes you learn more from, from watching from the sidelines, especially when you're new to a team. And it was a great point by Modes that he just can't know the offense yet. And realistically, playing against Montreal, Montreal probably knew him a lot better than he knew the BC Lions offense. So. Sure. It was maybe good to give him a, a few reps, but not uh, give him a bad experience. So and one thing I found about football, and it, it's it, it it's a pro and a con, I guess, but it, it's so easy to second guess. You have so much time. That's where the armchair quarterback, we use that term in all sports, but it definitely comes from football because coaches have to make a split second decision. And if it's the right decision and we know it's the right decision because we can see it play out, all fans said would say, I would have made that decision too. But when it's the wrong decision, because it didn't pan out, fans have a solution that what they would have done in that situation. Of course, BC didn't win the game. Um, Vernon Adams new to the team. I, I think it was probably the, the right move. Uh, Montreal would have a very good book on Vernon Adams, what he's good at and what they would like to, to force him into. So I'm sure we'll see Vernon Adams down the road, but that, uh, that first game, I, it was probably the right decision. Ballsy, I, I check me on this one. I think VA, he started his career as a writer. Did he not? He was with the rough riders. Yep. Third string guy. Yep. Yeah. I mean, do you see him as the guy in, 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 in Vancouver? No, 
I mean, he's a nice backup plan. I mean, nobody should be the guy over Nathan Rourke. He's the MOP of the league, and he's showing it now by being hurt. I hear all this talk about Zach Claros, and Zach is having a great year. One of the best reclamation stories in the history of North American professional sports, okay? I got Ryder fans. Why didn't we keep him? Well, why didn't Toronto keep him? You know what I mean? He's in Winnipeg kicking butt now, 24-3 and as a starter. Nobody saw that coming, including the Blue Bombers. But... No, I mean, I don't, I don't know how I feel about Vernon Adams, to be honest with you. Uh, right now in BC, they have a, it's like a, the most beautiful sports car you could ever have sitting on the driveway and nobody knows how to drive it or comfortable enough to drive it. Like it's a great team, but it's like, yeah, I got a Ferrari, but I don't know how to drive a standard. I, I have no idea. Somebody show me. I'm not ready. I just stalled it three times getting out of the driveway. That's how I feel with the BC lines right now. Uh, and one last comment, because both those guys uh, hit it uh, perfectly, Bob and RJ. Um, Antonio Pipkin. <laughs> leaves Montreal to go to BC to get away from Vernon Adams. And then he can't get away from him. Again, Vernon Adams goes out there. And I got to say this, listen, he's a professional athlete. I've never been a professional athlete, but Antonio Pipkin is not a quarterback in the CFL. That experiment is done. I'm sorry. I watched that thing and I watched it. And I'm like, how the heck is this guy still in the league? I'm sorry. Just the way that I feel. Be honest, Moj. Oh, I agree with Ballsy. I mean, what you see in Antonio Pipkin is what you get. He's been in the league for five years, right? I mean, if he hasn't seized the opportunity by now and he's had opportunities, what makes you think that he's just going to come into BC and all of a sudden turn into an elite CFL quarterback? I mean, like I said, to me, he's a journeyman quarterback who can come in and, you know, finish a game or provide you depth in terms of practice numbers. But it's just, I'm sorry. And then with Vernon Adams, guys, the funny thing is when he came to BC, everybody was clamoring. Oh, they got to get Vernon Adams. They got to get Vernon Adams. Guys, Vernon Adams was benched in Montreal. And like, his, you know, anybody wants to play the Danny Machocha card, he was benched by Kahari Jones, not Danny Machocha, right? So, you know, it was strange here in BC. Everyone was clamoring for Adams. And it's not the be-all, end-all, right? And I think Ballsy makes a great point in terms of the most outstanding player. If you're looking at the most outstanding player, the most valuable player to his team, if we use a hockey terminology here, that they use for the Hart Trophy that they never abide by, um, take Caleros out of Winnipeg, and do you think they have as big of a drop as BC does without Nathan Rourke in the line, right? So, um, yeah, I, I just think, and, you know, you're laughing – I was laughing when you we were talking about the Ferrari because we used that analogy during the course of the game the other night. It's, you know, you got all these great receivers, right? I mean, you got Burnham and you got Hatcher and Rhymes, and you just can't get them the ball. It's, and you can see, and Whitehead, and you can see the frustration sometimes in the games with these guys, right? Because they're so used to like Rourke being on point. And all of a sudden now balls are thrown behind. I mean, that interception by Nafis line, we, we're still trying to figure out who he's thrown to, right? Because there was nobody like in the same time zone. So it's it's tough, but it is what it is, and the Lions are going to have to figure out a way to move forward. Last one, Moj, to you on that. I mean, honest here. I mean, this was a team that had built up a good amount of equity with, with Rourke. Where is this team going to finish when we hit the playoffs? Ooh, what are they at, eight wins now? Yep. I think if they can play 500 for the rest of the year, that'll be a gift. I really think this team is in trouble unless they figure out their quarterbacking situation. If we see more of what we saw against the Alouettes and against Saskatchewan, um, this team sits, it's in trouble. Like I'm, I still think they'll make the playoffs, but this is a team that's, 
It's I think it's a sub 500 team without Nathan Rourke in the lineup. I, I hate to say it, but right now that's the evidence that's presented to me. They're the 2014 Saskatchewan Rough Riders when Darian Durant got hurt on that play no play in Winnipeg in the uh, in that game. They they had they, they were looking to go back to back Grey Cups. They were seven and two. Durant gets hurt. Next year he blows his Achilles. That's how I feel about the BC Lions. They're a great team. They just got a, a the worst injury you could you could ever get. I will say this, and I'll give props to my cohort, Julio Caravetta. When they didn't bring in a, a veteran backup in the offseason like a Trevor Harris, Julio's biggest concern was what happens if Nathan Rourke is ineffective? What are they going to do? Who are they going to turn to? And, you know, it, Antonio Pipkin wasn't even around at that point, but that was Julio's biggest concern is if Nathan Rourke is ineffective, they better have a backup plan in place. Well, they rolled the dice. I mean, work they signed. I mean, is on a cheap contract. They put their money in other spots to kind of help their team because they really believed in Nathan Rourke. And they were, I mean, that paid off for them. But, you know, going back to Julio's point now, an injury has caused that situation at quarterback and they don't have a suitable backup, right? So we'll see with Vernon Adams. You know, we'll see what happens with Vernon moving down the road. But right now, um, I, I think the Lions season hinges on Vernon Adams in the sense that, if he can get up to speed and, you know, at least just be a game manager and just get the football in the hands of those receivers um, and let them be playmakers, maybe something can happen. But right now, that's a big if. Can't help this one. I'm a bit of a TV guy. That's what I do. And according to the football website, Three Down Nation, Labor Day weekend, the ratings dropped some 16% from just last year, guys. Uh, RJ, should the league and maybe even TSN be a little concerned here? So I always go back to being in school and would you take 16% on an exam? You, you probably wouldn't be happy with that. So I don't think it's enough to worry about. And we forget last year, there were still COVID restrictions. You needed vac uh, vaccine passports to go places and, and people weren't traveling as much. So people were watching more TV. So I'm not really surprised that the ratings went down. There are some positives. The Winnipeg Saskatchewan game, first game this season to go over 700,000 viewers. I know that's down from the, the previous season, but there is a positive there. And Hamilton-Toronto, that wasn't a great game, especially for Ticats fans. Calgary-Edmonton, that, <laughs> that was a predictable result. So being down 16%, I, I don't think it's a, it, it's a huge concern or a huge surprise just because things have opened up so much more. And, uh, and uh, again, 16%, eh, what is it, about 100,000? viewers per game yes it would be nice to have but i i wouldn't be overly concerned if i were the league or tsn ballsy listen to radio listen to the hamilton tiger cats audio network yes listen, don't watch tv i mean i don't care i will tell you this <laughs> that's trying to be dismissive i i will i will tell you this the league and the and the tv like what are we doing here we've got nine teams in the league we'd love to have 10 hell the commissioner thinks we'll get 12 i don't know how he figures that but it'd be great okay we've got nine teams why did the hamilton tiger cats and toronto argonauts play four out of five games you ab i'm not tuning in for that i've already seen three of them and the other three weren't very good let's be honest everybody thought calgary 
and Edmonton was going to be an absolute, you know what, stomping. And it actually turned, it was predictable, as RJ said, but it turned out to be a pretty good game. It was 23 16. It was last week's game that was a hunk of junk. And our game, people watch the Riders, the Bombers. It's, it is the, it is the one, the, the cash cow for the weekend. So I'm not overreacting to that, but it's the league's fault. We got nine teams. Let's break up the games a little bit. What, it isn't that hard to make a schedule. There aren't 30. Sorry, I'm getting fired up. I'm going to get canceled at the end of this thing. <laughs> hey, I'll say this. Somebody explained to me the CFL schedule this year, guys. I mean, Boston, we're in Saskatchewan. You got six back-to-backs? I mean, yes. What's up with that? I mean, you look at all these back-to-back games, three games in four weeks. The Lions got Calgary now back-to-back. To me, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's tough enough, the fact that you always hear, oh, it's only a nine-team league. Well, you're playing everybody back-to-back. It makes it even worse from a fan's perspective. And I think the other thing, too, that comes into play, uh, from a competition aspect, I don't, I'm not a big fan of it because if you catch a team at the right time of year and you're playing a back-to-back, like Calgary is now with the Lions not having Nathan Rourke, well, I mean, they're getting a little bit of a break there compared to Saskatchewan, who did have to face Nathan Rourke on a couple of occasions, or Edmonton, or whoever else, so... I just don't understand what's going on with the league. I can understand certain back-to-backs, but I mean, when you got teams playing six back-to-backs, it's ridiculous. I don't know who did the schedule this year, but I think they did it in crayon and 72 font. You know what, RJ, the, to, to Moj's point here, what really upset me about the schedule, and yeah, I was a little mystified about facing the Argonauts. I mean, yeah, we all love a battle of Ontario, Sens, Leafs, Ticats, uh, Argos. I get that. I get it, but... The way the schedule was set up, Hamilton fans, uh, I'll extend it, fans in the Golden Horseshoe in Southern Ontario, had he been healthy, did would not have an opportunity to see Nathan Rourke play. And he's an Oakville guy. It made no yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the schedule is is a little bit odd. The, the four games the Tiger Cats had in five weeks against the Argonauts, um, I'm sure Tiger Cats fans would have been saying it was great if they had a one, three or four, but, uh, it, it is a lot to play a, a team that much in that short amount of time. I talked to coaches, players, nobody could remember ever having a schedule like that. And I, I think it was in one of the league's, uh, stats packs and it was back in the fifties, I guess it, it did happen, but I certainly don't recall that none of the players or coaches did. So it's hey Argos probably think it's great you know they they won three or four and and they're in a good spot but um yeah it, it is it is a bit odd for sure and it is nice to be able to see some of the star players but uh you know injuries change that and that's an uncontrollable factor to take a a quote from coach O. Ballsy what's the game of the week coming up yeah I don't <laughs> I didn't even look at the schedule, to be honest with you. I'm looking at my own. <laughs> Honestly, we've had so much going on here. I'm just, Chris Jones is coming home for the first time since leaving Regina for Cleveland and then went and pulled the shoot on the high school kids and now it's back in the CFL. So uh, I think we're, look, we need to win this game. So uh, honestly, not to be Homer centric, I'm, I'm just concentrated on, I'm just concentrated on this game, to be quite honest with you. We have to win this game. And it's a big weekend here in Saskatchewan. It's football weekend in Saskatchewan. So Friday, we've got that game. Saturday, we got the Thunder and the Hilltops, junior football powerhouses. The Thunder just went into Saskatoon and won in overtime, trying to stake claim to the PFC. And then the Huskies and the Rams, pair of 2-0 teams. We talk about 
we talk about Pipkin and we watch a guy get chance after chance after chance after chance because he's got an American birth certificate. I encourage anybody that's watching this later when it's posted in Regina, in Saskatchewan, get to Mosaic Stadium and watch Mason Nias. Dude's from yeah. Regina, U of S Husky quarterback, heck Crichton guy. He can throw it all over the field. I don't care if he's playing U sports. I was in Nebraska watching my kid play a D1 game and he's a better quarterback than I watched on the field that day. So yes, it's going to be a great weekend. So to answer your question i'm just focused on saskatchewan football weekend that's fine and rj you had a smile on that i know you're you got a little saskatchewan blood in you you're you're, you're happy about that stuff oh yeah 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 it's uh hey they love their football in saskatchewan it, it's uh it's a passion for the longest time when i was growing up the riders were the only professional team in the province so people travel from all over the place and quick story here i i had a little flashback to saskatchewan on Labor Day Monday, when I was heading to Hamilton, I was coming from what they call cottage country, just north of Toronto, and I stopped at a at a gas station, and there were a couple of guys from North Bay who were making the trip to Hamilton. It was 8.30 in the morning or something, making the trip to Hamilton. I, I had to look it up to see how far, so it was a four-hour trip one way. I'm sure they... <laughs> Probably aren't thrilled with the result, but uh, I know they were having a good time. But that reminded me of of so many times in Saskatchewan where people travel four hours one way, don't think twice about it, just to just to go to a rider game and support the riders. So it was a little little flashback for me, Bubba. To the most intriguing game, I'll be a homer. It's got to be the Tiger Cats against Winnipeg. Hamilton needs to win. Now you look back at the last two great cups, Winnipeg beat Hamilton, essentially ending the Tiger Cats season. And they might be able to do it again. If the Tiger Cats lose again on Saturday, it's going to be a, a real uphill climb for them to finish in the top two in the East division, because logic says there will be a crossover four o'clock Saturday, Tie Cats audio network, me and Luke Tasker, Bubba and Andy fan twos pregame at three o'clock. Saved you a little time there, Bubba, with the promo. <laughs> Mo, you're rolling your eyes. What do you like? Well, a little tan trivia, and that's what I'm calling the Tiger Cats Audio Network. A little tan trivia for you. It's actually R.J. Bradovsky, and he's from Gull Lake, Saskatchewan. Just a little known fact that R.J. is from like Gull Lake, and his name is Bradovsky. Changed it to Broadhead for media purposes. I mean, for me, I think the big thing is it's obviously the Lions. I want to see if this team can compete against the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, if they lose, you know, 31 to 10 or whatever the score may be, like they did this past weekend against Montreal, um, this team is built, it, it's strange because it started in training camp. It started before they, they were winning games. And the chemistry on this team and the, and the culture around it was so much different from last year. And I think a lot of it probably had to do with Nathan being a quarterback. Um, you know, you always hear about young players rejuvenating older players. And I think, you know, with Michael Riley, you know, as great as Michael is, Hall of Fame quarterback, Grey Cup champion, I, I just think with Mike, there was kind of like, Mike kind of was a little, I don't want to say detached from the team, but he was at a different level, right? Whereas Nathan is kind of more one of the guys, so to speak. And they've built this great culture and this great environment up, but now they're starting to go some, through some real tough adversity. And I want to see whether or not they still maintain that. Rick Campbell has talked about the fact that he's happy with the way his team is still competing and still battling given the circumstances, but there, there comes a point where, you know, that currency erodes. So it's going to be an interesting stretch drive for the BC Lions. And I think to, to keep that currency in the bank, they have to be at least competitive. If they lose 31 to 10 again, all of a sudden now I'm starting to worry about this team heading down the stretch. 
just quickly there, Moj. O'Connor, is he that banged up or is, or, or is it just not there? Well, he was banged up and apparently he still is banged up, even though he dressed against Montreal. Um, I, I think they'd love to see O'Connor at quarterback because it solves a lot of ratio issues for him, right? I mean, this week they had to take Tim Bonner out of the lineup and they were contemplating taking Philip Norman out at guard and replacing him with Andrew Pearson. They didn't feel comfortable with that. They just took Bonner out of the rotation. I mean, we saw when O'Connor came out of the game, they had to play David Mackey at running back because they couldn't have James Butler on the field, right? So, or it's Keon Hatcher being subbed by Jacob Scarfone. So in an ideal world, I think the Lions would love to see Michael O'Connor be the guy, but right now he just hasn't shown enough for them to, you know, to be that guy. And I think he kind of saw hints of it, even when Nathan was still healthy. I mean, there were games in which people were saying, why isn't O'Connor in there? up to like, you know, 30 points or something and they just never put Michael in and I think you know the 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 fact that they go and get Vernon Adams is another testament probably to their lack of confidence with Michael O'Connor moving forward you know we're pretty gifted here on the uh, Ticats Audio Network and of course here the CFL this week that I got three guys that have called all the action so I, I would be remiss if I did not ask this question uh, Ballsy give me your call of the year so far What's the one that, that yeah, probably you know who's been a you know, Jeremy O'Day's been under a lot of fire here, and maybe rightfully so, but to trade a late round draft pick for a guy that couldn't get on the Alouette's roster, Mario Alford, he has ran two kickoffs back for touchdowns and one missed field goal. It was probably the 112 yard missed field goal at the end of the first half against the Toronto Argonauts in the second half of that home and home series when the riders had 10 guys out of the uh, lineup because of COVID and Jake Dolagala was starting at quarterback and he ran it back 112 yards. And at that point we were winning at halftime, 17, 11, it, it went downhill after that, but that was probably my call. Hey, and once one thing I really, I've said this before. I like what you guys are doing here with the, the tie cats audio network. I've listened to RJ do the games does a great job. Uh, of course I listened to Moj for years, do the games. So a uh, good, good job on you guys for what you do and bring to the league. Uh, uh, as much as we're against each other, kind of, we're all together in it too. And I think that's yes. the thing I love most about the CFL. Well, I, I mean, in our pregame show, I, we have that segment speaking with the enemy. And I know I say, Hey, we're, we're the enemy for the little bit there, but we can always talk about, talk a little football there, which I think it is always fun. And I think to, to your point there, Balls, it, it is really is, I think the way of the future. I mean, TV is just not what it used to be. Uh, TV, radio, all you need different streams and different ways to, to show off your product. And yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I mean, when I joined on board here, I thought this was just something that was just uh, necessary in today's medium. Uh, Bob, your call. I mean, there were so many exciting moments when Rourke was playing. What's the one that sticks out for you? Well, first off, I'll agree with Ballsy in terms of what you guys are doing in Hamilton. It's a great job. And, you know, guys, sim it's simple as this. When the tide comes in, all the boats in the harbor rise, right? So it's it's good for the league in terms of all around what you guys are doing and setting a precedent. Uh, I mean, to me, probably the game in Calgary. I mean, there's so much emotion in that comeback and maybe probably any of the calls in the fourth quarter. But the one where they... They hit Whitehead that puts him in the field goal range because, you know, at that point, you know, they've won the game with Sean White coming out. So that was such an emotional game. I mean, you know, we've all done games that are stinkers. Hello, last Friday night, Montreal, where you just don't have that energy. But when you get a really close football game and, a, you know, a game with a lot of swings and emotion, I mean, we all feed off of it as as play by play guys as well. So for me, it was the Calgary game and probably the, the catch by Whitehead that puts him in field field goal position.
RJ, what sticks out for you? Well, first of all, thank you, Michael and, and Bob, for the kind words. It, it, you know, over 25 years in uh, in the media business for me, the sports media business and Ticats Audio Network has been some of the most fun I've had. It's just a, a great group. There's a lot of freedom and and uh, it, it's fun. We just laugh all day. It's 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 been fantastic, and I I wouldn't be surprised to see more teams go go along this avenue. As far as calls, Bubba, um, <laughs> there haven't been a lot of uh, uh, successful calls for the Tiger Cats this year. But, you know, the, the Stephen Dunbar one-handed grab was pretty impressive. Seth Small, the 22-year-old kicker hitting the 58-yard field goal, which we all thought at the time was going to be the, the game-winning field goal against Montreal. And oh. David Cote comes back and, and wins it for Montreal. But um, And that's the longest field goal in the league so far. And the other one was was against Montreal, uh, really odd finish when Stavros Katsantonis got the roughing the passer on Trevor Harris. They were on the Hamilton eight-yard line. If they put the ball in the end zone, they were going to win the football game. <laughs> the injury spotter pulled Trevor Harris out of that game. And Dominic Davis had to come in, threw a pass. It was intercepted by Cam Kelly. Game over. But Harris was on such a roll, you kind of felt that one slipping for the Tiger Cats too. But there have been a, a few highlights, and I'm optimistic in this final third of the season that there'll be there'll be some more for the Tiger Cats. I got to admit, from from the guy who's over in the booth beside you, the, your call there for the small field goal, which I I think, and we all know, small is so accurate from 40 yards in, and and the fact that they brought in the punter Domagala, who had the stronger leg to to kick that field goal, and then they pulled him out and put small in, and he drills it in there from 58. Uh, I, I think we all kind of lost it, and your call was fantastic. Uh, Mode, you got something there? Hey, Ballsy, back me up on this. The Dunbar catch was not a catch. It hits the turf. You can see it on the replay. <laughs> what? Hey, give it, it to RJ. The give, it to give it to RJ. He hasn't had too many. I'll tell you what. That is one thing behind the scenes that's an art. And I haven't had to do too many of, uh, like, the Riders' defense has not soiled the sheets in probably four years. They they probably literally soiled the sheets because they were sick, and then they look sick against Winnipeg. But to try to... <laughs> To try to polish a turd, sorry for the for the number two talk, to try to polish a turd is very hard as a play-by-play -play guy. Sometimes you need to have that chemistry with your color guy. You got to figure some other things to talk about. Uh, Moj, I've said, I'm glad I'm not a BC Lions broadcaster this year because I would have lost my voice by the first quarter with how exciting things have gone. I'm not as professional as you two do. <laughs> Hey, you know what we do as soon as the game gets out of hand, we start talking about food, right? I mean, you got Julio in the booth. That's what the, the focus starts shifting into food or just other things like that. So, yeah, you're right sometimes. And trust me, we went through the Devon Claybrooks area. We talked about food a lot that season. Um, yeah, sometimes you just kind of got to deviate and try to make it entertaining for the fans either way. But, you know, when you have, a, as you guys know, when you have a good football team and you have an entertaining game, it makes our job a lot easier. Hey, here's a quirky stat, Bubba, if I could jump in. Yeah. The Montreal Alouettes have beaten all Western teams except for Calgary is the only Western team they haven't beaten. What is going on? It's like Montreal sees a West team, they they roll them. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting quirk to the East. RJ, it, it, it's, it is crazy what's coming up next week, and I think that's uh, the great that you're taking the optimistic attitude there for the Bombers uh, because the Ticats certainly need a win to join the likes of the, these other two teams and maybe even get into the playoffs. Uh, RJ, where do we find you during the week? 
Well, I'll be doing uh, Tie Cats this week with Luke Tasker, my uh, partner on the broadcasts. We will have a, a podcast on the Tie Cats Audio Network setting up the game on Saturday. That will be out on Friday. And of course, four o'clock is, is kickoff. Tie Cats and Bombers, and a lot to be sorted out this week, as Tie Cats fans know, as far as quarterbacks, injuries, and game plan going into this final third of the season. Tie Cats need wins. Moj, where can we all find you? Well, of course, we got the game Friday in, or probably Saturday in Calgary. Able Action's pregame show, I believe, starts at 3.30 Pacific time. And, of course, we uh, kick off against the Stampeders in the afternoon. And then during the course of the week, if you want to check out some interviews, it's called the Bio Series, mojonsports.com, where we just talk to athletes, coaches, celebs, and just talk to them about their life story. So they're evergreens, as we call them in the business, so it doesn't matter when you log in and take a look at them. But we also have that, and we're going to get that rolling again now in the fall as well because we took the summer off to well enjoy the summer balls you have to admit I, I thank god for some of these apps we have on our cell phones that i can start to listen to more broadcasts from around the nation and you are just going crazy in the afternoon on the sport on the sports cage i love it it's spectacular yeah we uh four to six thirty saskatchewan time you see the sports cage thanks for that bubba and uh yeah just doing the rider games and and my girlfriend is in the aesthetics business. And before I saw RJ Broadhead, she uh, did this thing called, she takes blood from my arm and puts it in my head, PRP to grow my hair. So when I'm done, I'm going into her chair and I'm telling her, I want to look like RJ Broadhead. <laughs> well, that's what I did. So it works. <laughs> Oh, folks. Hey, folks. Hey, following much needed a week off for the Hamilton Tiger Cats are back to work and they welcome the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Saturday. All week, as RJ talked about, we'll have coverage with the Tie Cats, uh, the Tie Cats today, the Coach O Show, Morielli and Hitchcock talking about the old days, all leading up to this massive Grey Cup rematch times three. Uh, catch it all on your fav favorite podcast provider, YouTube. Don't forget to like and subscribe, as we always ask when we appreciate uh, this is folks been the CFL this week, a lovely addition. Thank you all to all three of you guys for your time. Great contributions. And, uh, again, you can catch us every seven days starting on Monday. This is the CFL this week on the tie cats audio network. We'll see you in seven days. The CFL this week with Bubba O'Neill subscribe, like, and get the deepest takes on Canada's game every Monday.